Good morning, church. We had three churches represented on stage this morning, and we're grateful that we are not just our little C, us only, the frozen chosen, the few. We are part of the big C church, right? It's not us, few, and no more. There is something powerful about coming together in unity. Amen? I I hope you're fired up about that. Because when we're fired up about the gospel together, and we've been in a series not just talking about what it is to be a Christian in general, but we're getting so specific. And so over the past weeks, we've been talking about this thing called the battle. Anybody anybody experiencing a battle? We kicked off a number of weeks ago, and as we did, we introduced the idea of kind of the unholy trinity. And so we have the world, and part of our battle is to battle against worldliness and to be sucked in to the world system, to be just like the world and conform to the world and not stick out and just go with the flow is that a temptation? You better believe it. You better believe it. Nobody wants to be rejected. Nobody wants to be unliked, unsubscribed, canceled. And so we often do a lot of things to fit in, to not stand out. Somebody say that's a problem. It's a, it's a battle that we all face. Not only do we have the world system that we are battling against, but last week we talked about this. We talked about the other enemy is Uh, Do you know him? Do you know him? Uh, The devil, known as Satan, the father of lies, Beelzebub, the the enemy of our souls. And he is a relentless enemy. And we talked about the battle, fighting the right battle the right way. And for many of us that often go week after week and month after month and possibly year after year, and we don't give a thought that Satan hates us. When we said yes to Jesus... We have a bullseye on our back. We are marked. We are hated because we rebelled against the rebellion. We stepped out and committed high treason against Satan. Now that we're on team Jesus, there's a battle. There's a battle and the battle is real. And today we are almost there. We're going to be wrapping up next week, putting all the pieces together. But here's here's number three. If you don't have a handout, you can shoot up your, your hand. I don't know if everybody got one. I think they're still free. Gentlemen, are they still free? Free of charge for limited time only. All right. So if, if you need one, shoot up your hand, hold it high. And as you do, that you would open to 1 Corinthians chapter 10, 1 Corinthians chapter 10. And it's on page 914 in my Bible. Somebody say, who cares? Who cares? Who cares? You need to open your copy of God's Word in 1 Corinthians chapter 10. If you need to use the table of contents, feel free. No judgment. Towards the back of the Bible, you're getting warmer in the New Testament. Uh, 1 Corinthians 10, written to the church of Corinth. And they were fighting something. They were fighting an enemy. And often they were losing. They needed correction. They needed instruction because there was so much temptation in the church of Corinth because of the culture, the system, the worldliness, Satan attacking the early church. Aren't you so glad that we don't face that today? Right? I mean, like we, we don't have any problems at all struggling with any kind of battles at all. We're always winning. Uh, turn to your neighbor and say, not true. Uh, not true, because enemy number three is the flesh. The world, the devil, and the the flesh. First John tells us we have these three enemies throughout Scripture, these three themes of who is against us and who we are to be fighting against. And there's something so powerful about slowing down and dissecting, looking at the anatomy of temptation, that we would understand our flesh a little bit better so that we could fight the right way. And so for worldliness, The battle is to not conform. 
And the battle with Satan is to resist. And here we go. Today, as we look at the flesh, you know what the call is for, for the flesh? How are we to respond? To flee. Fleeing the flesh. Flee. Run away. Okay? We resist the devil. We stand firm and resist him. But when it comes to temptation and our flesh rising up and the longings and the passions and the lusts of our heart, God says, run! Every single time. Not think about it, consider it, pause. i got to pray about it. He says, you better be out the door before you start praying because you get out so fast. You can pray on your way as you are escaping in 1 Corinthians 10, 13. Hopefully after today, this is going to be a memory verse for us. Some of us have memorize this if you haven't memorized it okay it's all right if you're a little bit behind today could be the day that we would do a deep dive into one primary verse and then we're going to look just a little bit at the last verse of second timothy 2 but i'll let you know when we get there okay and so as we think about fighting here i got a question for you what is your battle plan when you face temptation what's your plan could you actually Take a piece of paper. Oh, that's so old-fashioned. All right. Could you pull out your iPad? Could you get on your, your phone? And if you're a true follower of Jesus, your iPhone. I don't know where Android owners go, but I, don't, I got thoughts about that. So, so if you pull out your device, are you able to do this? Are you able to say, here is my battle plan, that when I face temptation, this is what I do. And then, and then, and maybe there's a reason that you're losing because you are not prepared. You don't have a plan. And as the old adage goes, if you fail to plan, you, you plan to fail. And I wonder if today that this would be a day that you would ask that question, am I losing? Am I defeated? Because I have never sat down and thought about what's the game plan when it comes. And I don't know what it is for you, but we all have an it. We have a thing. It's, it's that thing. Some of us are tempted by that, and for you it might be this, and for others it's something completely different. Do you know what your thing is, and do you have a plan to fight and win? Because all series long we've been talking about this, that we want more winning, that we want more victory, we want more conquering, but that takes not just being a hearer of the Word, but a a doer of it, an action plan. And so in order for us to even get started, going there. We need to get low before the Lord. We need to ask for His help because apart from Him, I don't, I don't care. And He doesn't care about your plan. Because if it's not His plan empowered by His Spirit, then it's going nowhere fast. Know your weakness. 1 Corinthians 10, 13, no temptation has overtaken you that is not common to man. Is that good news to you? I have never been tempted by something that was just utterly unique to me where nobody understood. That has never happened. Turn to your neighbor and say that doesn't happen. You have never been caught off guard by something that is just so tragically and utterly unique. You're not a snowflake. You are not special and unique that the thing that you're struggling with is just absolutely brand new and nobody understands me. Nobody understands me. Nobody understands me. It's all the same thing. Recycled, recycled, recycled throughout all of history. Same stuff, same stuff. Since the beginning, we've all had longings. In Eden, from the very beginning, can I take you back? Not just a little bit back. Can I take take it like way back? Okay, Garden of Eden. Somebody said that's way back. Like way back, way back, way back. In the Garden of Eden, check this out. Every longing was fulfilled in God alone. But as a result of 
the fall. So I'm going to say, uh-oh. Genesis 3, don't eat. I'm going to eat. Don't do. I'm going to do. Obey. No, I want to disobey. And many of us would say, well, if I was there, if you were there, you would have done the same thing. When Adam and Eve chose, we all chose. If we were there, we would have followed suit. We all rebelled as the human race. And what happened as a result of the fall? We seek to fill the void. We all seek to fill the void. The flesh longs to be what? Longs to be safe, loved, respected, and satisfied. The flesh longs to be safe, loved, respected, and satisfied. But because of the fall, is it that way anymore that we're just looking to God for all those things? Are those longings illegitimate in themselves? Is it wrong to desire to be safe? The longing to be loved? Is that wrong? No. God created us with that. Is it wrong to have a sense of I want to be cared for? I want to be respected. I, I want to be fulfilled. I want to be satisfied. Is that wrong? No, not in itself. The problem is, where do you go to find that? And instead of going vertical, where do we go? We go shopping horizontally all around and what does it turn into? My flesh says, I, I must be safe. So what's my default mode? Self-protection. Self-protection. I need to look out for me because if I don't take care of me, who is? It's about me. It's on me. The weight is on my shoulders to make sure. And so some of us, the anxiety is real. And the sensation of panic may be frequent for you. But I wonder if we could just ask the question, does much of it, if not all of it, have to do with I don't go vertical in my times of doubt and seeking safety. And so I panic because I'm trying to find a way to self-protect. And in a day when the world is offering so much to take care of that, God's saying, uh, why don't you go to me first? Why don't you go to me immediately? Not self-protection that results in anxiety. How about this? Love, legitimate desire? Yes. What is the world tell us what has it sold us the love of god bah! lame lame you need to love yourself there needs to be self-love unless you love yourself who's going to love you and there's this novel idea god i mean just the just the creator of the universe but i don't want his love i need to summon up my own I need to try to love me perfectly. I need to try to love me well. And I would just ask the world, and maybe I would ask us, how's that going? How effectively are you fully satisfied with your own love? Probably as much as a dog licking his own parts, trying to clean himself up. Because the more that we say, God, I don't want your love, we turn inward, and God would say, that's disgusting. I'm offering you holy, perfect, heavenly love. And you're going, me, I'm better than you. And in the last days, anybody think we're there? In the last days, they will be lovers of self. Man, I'm glad we're not there yet. Wait, mm, we are. Because when we don't run to God and we don't go vertical, we shop horizontally and in fact, we turn internally. Do you know what that leads to? Self-love. It's not enough. It doesn't satisfy depression, depression, depression. I'm a victim. But none of this is new. This is the same old stuff, right? Same old stuff throughout history. All cultures are trying to fulfill this. Every individual has these longings. And I wonder, are we going to go somewhere different? Are we going to experience different fruit, different results? How about this number three? 
Is respect a legit desire if we see it through God's lens? If we see that we're created in the image of God and that we respect image bearers? But here's the reality. Because I don't just desire respect, I must have it. And control sets in. And self-rule. Anybody angry in the house? I wish we had like an anger study that we could go through. Maybe a small group. Ah! We have one. We do. We do. If you haven't been around on Wednesday nights, here's a little, little marketing ploy for you that we have opportunities not just to talk about these things in part, but to do a deep dive for weeks and weeks and months and months. The things that we struggle with are common. It's common to all. It's not just a dude problem. Do you believe that there's some angry ladies? They're all out there, right? Because for sure they're not in here. No anger in this house. Not this morning. Wrong, wrong. So anger is an equal opportunity, equal gender, cross the board, struggle. And so if, if we want to be in charge and we want to control, any, anybody got control issues? I must be hypervigilant to make sure that I'm always in control and I have a sense that I know what's coming ahead. Are you like that? Any conspiracy theorists in the house of there's danger everywhere and everywhere it's lurking and control, control, control. Because who needs God when you're in control? Who needs a sovereign king when you're on the throne? Somebody say that's a problem. And guess who struggles with that? We all do. And we can say for sure, uh, me, me, all hands raised. And so is satisfaction something that is a legit desire? I want to be fulfilled. I want to be satisfied. Yes. And since the fall, where have we gone? Somewhere common, that's common in every generation and every nation all throughout time is, God, if you don't satisfy me in the way that I need to be satisfied, in the time, in, then what happens? Self-satisfying. Never before have we been a culture that says, I can have Jesus and my private pleasure too. What's wrong with that? Because in my case, it's different. Because if I'm addicted to pornography, that's different than actually having sex. And, and even though I'm having sex with them, I feel like I should have freedom to have sex with others. And if my spouse doesn't satisfy me, I feel like I have freedom to shop around. And if it's virtual, it's different than physical. And the flesh is so good, right? So good at, no, no, your situation's different. It's not as bad. Or nobody knows. So how has 2023 been in seeking self-satisfaction? I mean, if, if we're all honest, maybe sexual desire is not your thing, but maybe it's food, or maybe it's I must have my phone at all times. I don't know how many panic attacks you've experienced when you thought you lost your phone. Idolatry. I must be satisfied. I have to have my fix, my dopamine kick. I have to have my app, my game. I have to watch and scroll and scroll and scroll. And I can't stop, can't stop. It's because you're addicted and so am I. Because it's common to all of us. Anything in your life that you say, I want, I want, but I can't stop. This is common. Do you know what's so awesome about being the church, the real church? is that we can be really open and get really specific about these things because it's so common. And for some of us, maybe generationally, can we go there? Uh, from generation to generation, there are different things that we've been trained of either we don't talk about that and we don't show that and, and we don't discuss those things. And we have different generations that are like, 
Yeah, I'm actually going public with it. You can just hit up my socials and you can see everything that I'm doing in private because there is no shame. Do you believe that there's some differences generationally? Do you believe that we're all fellow strugglers? Yes. Are you better because you're better at hiding it? No. But some of us have been trained and some of us have not. Some of us have filters and some don't. But we're all looking for safety, for love, for respect, for satisfaction. And we're looking in all the wrong places that result in anxiety, depression, anger, and foolishness. So could I, could I say this? Every time, every time you seek to fill the void yourself, the flesh is leading the way. You're seeking to fill that void yourself. I'll figure it out. I'm going to find a solution. I'm going to do it my way. The boulders that drop in our life and the circumstances that happen and when, when anything happens to us and we get shaken up or something lands in our lap that we were not expecting, what's your temptation? When you get treated a certain way, when you get the bad news, when somebody talks to you a certain way, I think for all of us, we have a tendency to focus on the circumstances, right? Well, the reason I acted out in anger, the reason I'm depressed, the reason I have anxiety, and we're always looking for, well, if it wasn't for that that stinking boulder that dropped in my life, if it wasn't for the person, if it wasn't for the situation, if that went away, then all of this flesh would go away. And the problem is, the boulders in our life and the shakings in our life, do you know what it does to us? It reveals what was already inside of us, if we're really honest. The splash is your response to the situation. Get your eyes off your circumstances and onto your sin response. And I don't mean obsess over it. I mean, stop blaming and stop obsessing over what they did and start looking in the mirror and going, it doesn't matter what they did. Why did I respond the way I did? Somebody say flesh. It's because of the flesh. Well, yeah, but Satan made me do it. Flesh, flesh. You were tempted, you gave in. You can blame Satan all you want to, but the reality is, much of what we blame Satan for, we're glorifying Satan when it's actually us. We should probably give ourselves a little more credit. Anybody in the house think so? We We should probably give ourselves a little bit more credit. No, I did that. I wanted it. I was upset, so I did it. I demanded it, and I was willing to sin to get it. And so, what if after today, what if after today, everybody with me, What if after today, you could say, I'm no longer going to obsess about what they did and how they treated me and how bad my past was. I'm I'm going to move past the circumstances and every time I get shaken, uh uh-oh, uh-oh, every time I get shaken and all of a sudden stuff just starts flying out of me of like, whoa, 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 where'd that come from? You'd say, the reason, some of you already know it. Some of you are surprised. That's what makes it so fun. Some of you just know the water's coming at some point. When, When the stuff happens to me, and I get bumped, and I get knocked around, the reason that that splashed out of me is because it was already in me. But they made me angry. Nobody has ever made you angry. Only Christians can say that. And that's liberating. Nobody makes me do anything. I choose. What do you do with your free will? What do you do? Well, this is the good news and the bad news. There is weakness. We have weaknesses, and it's common temptation that overtakes you how's that how's that for an awesome image overtakes dominates you jumps out of the bushes you got hijacked you were ransacked by temptation and guess what common it's so common so can we be a church can we do this can we be a church that just is able to be 
honest. Because I think we're really, really good at hiding and covering up. We're really, really bad at just saying, yep, I'm struggling. I'm a certified counselor. And so the, the number one response that I get the majority of uh, the past 15 years of me doing counseling is I don't need anybody knowing my business. I don't need anybody to get involved. Uh, we got it taken care of. And I don't really think I have a problem. I don't think it's that bad. And I would just say, you might be able to fool people, but would God give that same assessment that you don't have any needs and you don't need to talk to anybody and stuff doesn't need to come out into the light? The church needs to be different. Do you believe it? We don't need to walk in and just wearing the badge of, I'm a wicked sinner and here's my list this week of all the, the nasty nine and the dirty dozen and all the stuff that I did this week. I checked every box. Check me out. Somebody say it's not that. It's not bragging about it. It's not boasting. It's not shamelessly. You're not a voyeur. You're not a flasher right, of your sin. But instead, where appropriate with wisdom, you are able to have freedom within the body of Christ to say, this is common, isn't it? Yes. But God's grace is also available for all too, isn't it? Yes. And we need each other through this, don't we? Yes. So where you're weak, there might be a brother or sister that's strong. And we need each other. Do you believe that? I'm struggling, but I need to find somebody that's not struggling because we don't need to have a pity party, a victim party. We don't need to have a flesh banquet, right? We don't need to hang out and share stories about how we're both living in sin. I need somebody that's not living in sin. I need somebody at the top of the pit that's throwing the rope down and saying, I'm three, let's do this. We're getting out of here. I need somebody strong when I'm weak. But if the strong woman in your life, if that strong brother in your life doesn't know, they can't help you. The only way that this common to all struggle is going to change is if you get really specific about the weakness and realize I'm not going to be judged here because the person I'm talking to is struggling and is weak also. But I need people that are not struggling in the same way AA was a great concept. NA was a great concept. Alcoholics Anonymous. Narcotics Anonymous. I went through both twice. And I hung out with all of my buddies because weak people together, strugglers together, is not helpful. Even though we can be honest about our common struggle, where do I go where somebody is strong? Even though I'm seeking things that are legit, I have made it way beyond its legitimacy by shopping horizontally for what God is offering vertically. Run for God's escape. No temptation has overtaken you that is not common to man. Here is good news. Somebody say good news. Okay, it's good. It's coming. It's coming. Here's the good news. God is, help me out. God is, are you seeing it? Are you seeing it? Verse 13, I hope you got your Bibles open. Man, am I reading alone? That's embarrassing. We're at church. We should do this together. What does it say? God is, He's faithful. He's faithful. God is faithful and he will not let you be tempted beyond your ability. What is it not saying? It doesn't say he will never give you too much. He will never overload you. He will frequently overload you. The waves are going to come crashing into your boat. You are going to start sinking and he's going to do it often. It's not because you're super strong that he thinks you can handle it. He knows you're super weak but how hard does it have to get before you cry out for help to a faithful God where you say, I'm going under. 
And he says, are you ready yet? Because what I've given you, it's not going to take you under because I have a plan. What's God's plan? Anytime that you're reading Scripture and you pause and go, "Uh, I have a question. I suggest this to you. It's going to change your life. Keep reading. Keep reading. Well, I read that verse and it doesn't make sense. The Bible is so confusing. Did you read the next verse? Huh? Okay, that's why you come to church, right? That was free. That was free. Keep reading. He is not going to let you be tempted beyond your ability. Well, it's going to be beyond what I can do, but the but is there for a certain reason. I love the buts of the Bible. Just want to grab hold of them every single time I see them and say, what's next? What's next? But with the temptation, he will also, somebody say also, he will also provide the way of escape. The reason that it's not going to be beyond is not because you can handle it. It's because it's a package deal. Do you believe in this? Right here, see this. Let me, let me read it again. God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond your ability. But with the temptation, he also provide a way of escape. What is that going to lead to? That you may be able to endure it. Sometimes? No all the time because he will he will he will temptation is a package deal because every time temptation comes it also always has an exit sign and most of the time we don't turn around because we are not in the habit not in the habit anybody believe that habits are kind of a big deal we have a habit of staying focused on the temptation when god says every time temptation comes There is an exit door behind you and you must, here's the word, flee. When temptation comes, flee. When temptation comes, I must have the habit, form a habit of fleeing. There it is again, I'm gone. There it is again, I'm not going near that. There's the temptation again. I'm not going to press myself into that. I'm not going to test God even though temptation is testing me. I am going to run. I'm going to flee because every time temptation comes, here's the guarantee, there is always an exit sign. There's always a way out. God will not allow you to just stay and suffer. He'll allow you to endure the intensity of the common passions that rise up in the face of temptation by giving you an opportunity to go, go, get out of there. How do I know this? Well, I know this because the Word of God does not lie and God when he says he's faithful he means faithful at all times in all situations not for some and your particular temptation is not different because it's common and the grace that he gives to me is the grace he gives to you to be able to flee when temptation comes ready for story time when when God rescued me not when I found God I wasn't looking for God God found me when the hound of heaven pursued and won, when he he took me down from the top ropes, atomic elbow, it was over. At the age of 21, I had already been living over a decade of my life addicted to cigarettes, pornography, alcohol, drugs, and sleeping around. I lived the life. I was addicted. I was trapped. And when God radically rescued me, 
guess what did not happen? The temptation did not, poof, all go away. Can you believe that? Some things, there was freedom. Other things, there was a great sense of bondage. I was stuck. I was trapped. Why? The same reason you get trapped. The reason that addiction is so readily experiential in everybody's life is why? Because we made a practice of sin. The harder you practice, the more that you habitualize and regularize any kind of sin, it's easy. right? And then the moment you want to say no, it's so hard. Anybody with me? Anybody with me? This past week, God reminded me, John, this entire week, you fought and resisted in a particular area that is still a struggle. And when I took God at His word, when He said, I'm going to make a way of escape, and I took Him at His word, and I believed it, I spent a week where I was able to wake up this morning and go, God, a week. For some of us, it might just be a whole day where you're like, I ran. I'm learning to flee. That's a victory. Do you believe that? Deep down, do you believe that? If I could go 24 hours, if I could just go 24 hours, and whatever your thing is, whatever thing that you so easily became an addict of, the thing that you so worked difficult, hard, laborious days and weeks and months and years, you worked so hard at sinning that it became so easy and you became so quick to justify I wonder if God would just say, here's a baby step, just one day. Just one day. Take me at my word. Believe me that I'm going to make a way of escape. And what if that turns into a week where you're like, I was tempted, I was tempted. Does the temptation go away? Everybody shake your head. This is not going away. Till the day I die, temptation is going to be screaming and wooing me. The sirens on the shore are going to be there. Come, come. And what if we are a people that help one another to be able to say, here's a practical next step. Here's a way of escape. Here's something to consider. I was on the phone this week with a dear friend that's in ministry. And I was able to walk through with him. And he's saying, I just, it's always going to be like this. I just keep coming back to this. I keep coming back to this place. And I said, could we take a second just to pause and assess your life? your marriage, your parenting over this past year. And this is a brother that lives at a distance, so I'm not, I'm not there, but we're on the phone regularly, like multiple times a week, every week, praying for each other, warring together, battling. And I was able to say, you're obsessed with this one area, but I think you lost sight of something. Can we talk about where your marriage is at? And I've been able to walk with him through that. I said, do you remember what 2022 was like? He's like, I said, you're not there today. Victory. When you're tempted, you ran. You ran to Jesus. You and your wife are not in the same place because you're fighting. You're resisting. You're fleeing temptation. How are you doing with your kids? Do you remember what it was like last year and the year before? 
yeah, not good. And I had to remind them, no, not, not good is not a description of where you were at with your kids. And he's like, oh, yeah, okay. Horrible. Gut-wrenching every day. And I said, where are you at today? My brother, where are you at with the temptation that every time that you face in your relationships, the temptation that you just gave into over and over again, the cycle, the crazy cycle just kept going, have you seen it broken? And he's like, I'm such a different dad, aren't I? I said, oh my goodness. You have forgotten because you're looking at all of the defeat. and You're not seeing God is bringing victory over temptation in all these areas. And I said, what if today? What if today, starting today, just one day at a time, you would say, what's the temptation now? Where am I being tempted in this season? And what if over the next 24 hours you say, God, I'm taking you at your word. You're going to make a way of escape, and I'm going to choose because I'm going to plan ahead of time. And we started walking through a battle plan of when it comes next time, this is what you're going to do. Here's a three-step. Here's steps you can take. It's not the world's way. It's not psychologically. It's not that path. It's taking God's Word, believing it, and that He's going to empower obedience by His Spirit, and He's going to bless as you fight, even if it's a new battle. I don't know what 2024 is going to look like for you, but I hope you don't want to go into a new year where you're saying, I'm, I'm the same person fighting the same battles. Just the way I am. Just the way I am. It's just the way I am. It's just the way I am. Ah! What are you going to say? That is so the old me. That is so the old me. I'm done with that. I'm not living that life anymore because temptation comes with an exit sign. And I'm going to take the exit. I'm going to run for the door. And I'm going to do whatever it takes to have a plan that I know when it comes, I know what to do. I'm prepared. And the Holy Spirit helps us now. Moment. Do you believe that? The Holy Spirit, this is so crazy. This is going to boggle some of our minds. The Holy Spirit is not just a spontaneous spirit that only does things spontaneous in the moment. The Holy Spirit allows us to plan and strategize when we're off the battlefield, so that when we step into it, that we know what to do and how to move forward. Spiritual preparation is just as glorifying to God as in the midst, obedience. And most of the time, obedience is an overflow of preparation and planning before when you're not in the midst of the temptation. Can we prepare? Could this next year be a year where I'm going to be prepared? I'm going to have a battle plan. Maybe right now you're like, I don't even know what my plan is. I'm glad you don't have a plan, and I'm glad that you know that you don't have a plan because you don't have to leave this morning without one because you're surrounded with people that can walk with you through it to be able to create a plan because do you believe this? You are surrounded with a group of people that are experiencing victory over the things that you're defeated in today. They've been there. They've learned the strategies they have fought God's way and they have overcome and they're not the same. Do you believe that, that Sarah and my kids are very glad that over the past 21 years, that dad, that hubby figured out a battle plan and has been winning so that for generations things can be different? Do you believe that your grandkids and great-grandkids and great-great-grandkids long for you to have a battle plan so things can be different for them?
This isn't just about you, and it's not just about a new year. This is about hundreds of years from now. If you don't fight, they lose. Do you believe it? I think sometimes we can go through our life and just be like, well, yeah, I'm just thinking about me. Just thinking about me. There's a word for that. Narcissism, right? I'm obsessed with me. I'm only thinking about me. I'm just thinking about what's best for me and what hurts me and what helps me. And God's people are different because they're thinking about big picture. And when the flesh rises up, here's a resolution you can have. I will flee. I will make a resolution. I will flee. When the flesh rises up, I will flee. Can we say that together? I know we can. Here we go. When the flesh rises up, I will flee. You can leave here saying, I'm at least resolved that I'm not going to stay the same and respond the same. I am going to flee. I'm going to run. I'm going to have a plan and I'm not just going to give in and I'm not going to be passive anymore. I am not a victim. I am changed. And I am a runner from evil. I am fleeing. I'm not running to. I am running out. Here we go. Number three. Somebody say, land the plane. Oh, here we go. If you want to flip to 2 Timothy, I know what you're thinking. It was hard enough for me to find 1 Corinthians. You're making me flip around. So sorry. So sorry. 2 Timothy. you got to flip backwards towards the end. 2 Timothy 2.22. I just want to leave us with this because I think this is going to be so helpful. Not just run for God's escape because he has an exit. God's always going to make a way, but this. Flee from your passions. And that means getting specific about what your passions, what your lusts are, the King James says. And also, if I'm going to flee from them, what am I running to? And I want I want to land here. 2 Timothy 2.22. Somebody say that's a lot of twos. That's a lot, right? Two, Tim, two, two, two. Right? Do we have an echo in the house? Here we go. What does it say? This is Paul to Timothy, right? Timothy is a young, aspiring ministry leader. And what does Paul say to him? Flee youthful passions or youthful lusts and pursue. Somebody say pursue. Because it's not just about putting off. It's about putting something on. It's not just about running away. It's about going towards something. What should I pursue? As I'm running out the door, as I jar that door wide open, kick it open and blast through, where am I going? Righteousness, faith, love, peace. Along with those who call on the Lord from a pure heart. Timothy gives us pursue areas. Four of them are internal. He's talking about, this is your character. Your character needs to be developed. The things inside that nobody sees. When you run away from evil, when you run away from the temptation, it's not enough just to say, I need to stop doing that. I need to stop doing that. How many people in the house have said this past year, I just need to, I just need to quit smoking. I just need to quit chewing. I just need to quit drinking. I just need to stop cussing. I need to stop masturbating. I just need to stop with the addictions. I need to stop blowing up and getting angry. I need to stop sleeping around with people that are not my spouse. I need to stop. I need to stop. I need to stop with a second glance. I need to stop with the lust. I need to stop with the foolishness and the spending. I need to stop. How's that going for you? Because oftentimes God's people can be a people that are just, I'm trying to flee. I'm trying to flee. I'm trying to flee. And I wonder if today God would just say, where are you running to? 
And how many of us, like a deer caught in the headlights, I don't know. I'm just trying to stop the bad. Just trying to stop the bad. God is not satisfied with you just not doing the bad. He's passionate about you pursuing the good. Are you going after the good? Are you going after it? Righteousness. Are you pursuing faith? I want to grow in my faith. Love. God, make me a man, a woman that loves. Not just tries to bite their tongue and not hate or gossip or slander. How many times are, are we going to be called by God to say, it's not enough just to stop. Not just to have a resolution of what you're quitting. In a couple weeks, you got a New Year's resolution opportunity coming up. Guess what you're tempted to do? I need to just stop the bad habits. And God's like, that's lame. What are you going to put on? What are you going to pursue? Righteousness, faith, love, peace. And I love this. He doesn't stop there. What does he say next? Somebody say, keep reading. I love this. As we read the Bible, what do we do? We don't stop, we keep reading. And what do we read as we continue on? The four things that we say, well, these are disciplines, these are habits, these are things internally, these are things I need to work on, me and God. He doesn't stop there because he wraps it up in this. You cannot, am I dead? There we go. He's telling us you cannot just do this alone. This isn't just a self-help project. What does he say? Along with those who call on the Lord from a pure heart. What are we talking about? The only way that you're going to pursue godliness, holiness, is if you do it in community. Around here, we're pretty passionate about small groups. We talk about small groups. Get your butt to the small group. What are you doing? I don't know. I'm busy. You're too busy sinning to come and fight sin together. You're too busy doing activities that keep you away from community that helps you fight against temptation. I would say you need to stop with the busyness of what you're doing because this is the priority. Sunday mornings, 8.30, breakfast. Man, we have to bribe for community. We'll feed you. We'll feed you. How much more bacon do you need to come and help flee temptation and pursue righteousness? Wednesday night, we'll feed you. We'll feed you to get into a small group, right? Whatever it takes. Here's the hook. Are you going to take it? No, I'm too busy. No, I got stuff going on. No. And I would just say, how's sin going for you? How's that going living in sin? Because if you're avoiding community, it's because you're living in hidden sin. I have never met a human being in the 21 years that I've been walking with Jesus that says, I'm not in a small group. I'm not in a small group. I don't have accountability, but I'm living a holy life. I am pursuing passionately Jesus. I've never met a single person. But after weeks and months and years of talking to people that have crashed and burned and it all is exposed, you say, you were living in sin for how long? And you weren't in a small group? You weren't with people that were asking you hard questions where you were confessing sin and you were repenting? That totally makes sense. Because the exit sign above you when you're fleeing sin says community that's where i'm running to uncommon unusual community that says we love you and we welcome you just as you are 
But God is calling all of us to not stay there. we got to move forward and we got to do it together. I don't know where you're stuck. I don't know where you're trapped, but you're not going to do this alone. And if you don't flee, and I say this in love, you're a fool. If you are not making a habit of fleeing, you're a fool. You're choosing to stay there. You want it. More than God, you want your sin. More than fleeing, you want to bite and you keep on doing it. And could we say, today it could be different. Today it could be different. But somebody has to know. Somebody trusted has to know. In confidentiality, there has to be love in community that says, let's get out of here. Let's do it together. Let's move forward. And here's three shifts. Shift number one is, you just got to ask, do I need to shift my geography? Shift your geography. Relocate. I can't go to the bar. I can't drive down that street. I can't hang out with that person. Maybe I can't work where I'm at. One of my first disciplees, he worked at the porn shop. He ran the porn shop, came to church, and said, I want Jesus. Then flee. What's the problem? I need a paycheck. You need to flee more than you need to eat food. You need to run. Whatever it takes to relocate, to move physically, who or what is God calling you to avoid? And I believe I I gave you some scriptures there in Proverbs and Psalms and 1 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians 5, do you know what 1 Corinthians 5.11 says? Avoid brothers and sisters who are living in sin. Who are some of the people you need to avoid? Other Christians. What? Christians living in sin need to be avoided because they're taking you with them. Do we need to resist against Satan? Yes. Do we need to avoid disobedient Christians? When God says do it, yes. Because who's influencing who? Sometimes I need to relocate. Sometimes i got to ask, do I need to shift my chemistry? Do you need to shift your chemistry? The rhythms in your life of what is going on inside of me mentally, physically? What is happening? How is my sleep? What am I eating? What do I need to put off or put in? There are things that God is calling us to do to say, you are being tempted with these things and it's a matter of, i got to say no to that and I can't live this way anymore. People that are depressed and anxious, we just got to ask the question and if that's you and on a regular basis, I'm on the phone, on Zoom calls or in my office, anxiety and depression, anxiety and depression, anxiety and depression. And some of the questions are, what are you putting into your body? What are you putting into your to your mind as far as fuel? What is sleep like? I don't know. I don't sleep and I eat candy bars and I drink monster drinks all day. Say, uh, ding, 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 ding. Can we start there? Can we start there? Shift, shift. You are being tempted in other ways because you are giving in temptation in these ways. How about this? Shift your mind. Here, I, I like this word. To ruminate. Hmm. There's a $10,000 word you got to stick in your pocket, show off your friends, right? When you go to parties, guess what? I was just ruminating. Mm, you're ruminating. You say, yes, yes, ruminating. Yes, to dwell on, to think about, to go deeper, to allow yourself to meditate on what? That's the question. What is God calling you to think on? Think. True, helpful, instructive, necessary, and kind. T-H-I-N-K. What do you think about? Is this true? Is this true? Is this helpful? Is this instructive? God's instructions? Is this necessary? Is there some kindness going on? If you want to read 
Philippians 4.8, God says this is what we should meditate on, ruminate on. But here's the bottom line. Put off. I want us to, to be deliberate, to be intentional this week. I'm going to put off indulging. I am going to put it away. I'm going to take it off like a dirty garment, and I'm going to put on pursuit. There's going to be a pursuit of something, and it's a pursuit of holiness. It's a pursuit of God, and we're going to do it together. We're doing this together. I don't know about you, but sometimes I just need somebody to tell me and to be really honest. Stop indulging there. Stop living there. You thought you were just going to visit. You ended up moving in. You parked there when it should have just been a drive-by and keep going. You need to be pursuing righteousness, love, and we do this in community.